exclusive backstage look of the makeup industry. Join me each week as we discuss life as a makeup artist, business, beauty tips, and share dialogue with the top professionals in our industry. Collectively, we'll unpack the highs and lows, laugh, and grow together. And I'm your host, Brittany Rogers. I'm a 10-year freelance beauty editorial, TV, and film makeup artist. This is your official backstage pass. I'm taking you behind the scenes. Welcome to BTS with Brittany. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of BTS with Brit. So, Omatic told me that today's episode, um, I'm on my finest Howard Stern because I'm talking about myself today. And if I'm honest, this feels cringy. But one of our listeners pointed out that I have never shared my makeup story, how I got into the industry. I just talk about lessons and share little stories in between. So today, I am going to talk to you about how I got into the industry and how I found, I guess, my passion and my flow through all of the craziness of my career. So I'm going to try to make this long story less long because this is 10 years of my life. So without further ado, here is my makeup story. I began my makeup career in, I'll say October of 2010. I just graduated high school in May of 2010. And the reason why I decided to go to cosmetology school was because when I was 11, my mom was diagnosed with cancer. And as a form of her treatment, she was in a program called the Look Good Feel Better program. Now, if you know anything about cancer patients, they lose their eyebrows and lashes, their skin tends to change colors because of the radiation. Um, And just seeing that makeup artist transform my mom and just the glow on her face was amazing. And I thought, wow, I wonder if I can do something like that. And I was already into like painting and I love to draw and sculpt as a kid. So I thought this would be like another cool form of art. I got in trouble lots of times for stealing my mom's good makeup that the Look Good Feel Good program gave her. Like they didn't give her just anything. It was like Clinique uh, MAC. She had Chanel. She had everything. And if you ever see my mom, we are like, our shades are night and day. So she was pissed that I was using all her good stuff and it didn't even match. She was like, uh-uh, baby, you got to learn how to blend this down a little bit. <laughs> but the crazy thing is nobody in my family had wore makeup. So to me, this was just like, it was very foreign. It was very new and it was just fun art. Now, when I graduated high school, I had no plans on becoming a makeup artist. I didn't even know that it could be a career. I just thought it was just something fun that ladies just did. And right before I graduated high school, my parents threw me a little night on the town, made me feel like a real adult. (laughs) And as a part of it, we got a limo and there was, um, we went to go get makeovers and there was a makeup artist there. I went to Beauty 360. This used to be like a fake makeup counter in CVS. It was crazy. It was like a high-end CVS downtown DC. If you ever get a chance, Google Beauty 360 and you'll see what I'm talking about. 
the makeup artist and I in the store had the best conversation. She was telling me what it was like to be a makeup artist. And from there, I was like, oh, this could be a real career. So a few weeks later, I told my parents I did not want to go to school with my brother because my brother was at Fayetteville State. I wanted to go to cosmetology school and I wanted to become a makeup artist. I wanted to go to New York. That's what I told them. And they looked at me like I was crazy. And the way my family is, listen, I had to come correct. So I made a whole presentation for them. And you know what they said? They said no. But they gave me a deal. They said, we will let you go to this cosmetology school downtown. It's called Bennett Career Institute. And if you do well there, complete the program and stick with this, we'll let you go to New York, to the Makeup Forever School. And listen, don't challenge me because I was like, game on. I'm going to show you guys. I am serious. Now, to go back a little bit, remember when I mentioned the Look Good, Feel Better program? A few years later, I ended up volunteering for them for quite some time. So it was just like a cool full circle moment. But back to the script. <laughs> I graduated and I started Bennett Career Institute in September of 2010. I think the program for makeup was only three months at the time. So by the end of the program, I had a job. I finished in November 2010. Mr. Bennett, the owner of Bennett Career Institute, shout out to Mr. B. I learned so much from him. He ended up offering me a job at his salon downtown in Southeast on MLK. Now, if y'all know anything about MLK in Southeast, you know, it's not the most glamorous place in the world, <laughs> but it was very fun. I made a lot of friends that I'm still very cool with to this day. And working on MLK was the best learning experience I could have ever had because I wasn't working with like no high-end bougie women who wanted like a cute soft glow. No, I was working with Tisha and Lakeisha and Starlight who all worked down at Stadium and they were coming to get a quick beat real quick before they're set. So I had to learn how to do all different types of skin tones and cut creases and color and glitter and I had to learn how to be fast okay one of the hairstylists there she used to dance and she would bring all her friends so that is how I got fast because I've never worked at a makeup counter we'll get into that too never worked at a makeup counter but I did learn everything I needed to know at um the salon so after that after being down at the salon for some time, February 2010 came around and Mr. Bennett asked me to go to Fashion Week. That was my first time at Fashion Week, like New York Fashion Week for Byron Lars. It was amazing. And let me just say, I never got a chance to move to New York because by this time, my career was just picking up so fast. Now I was going back and forth to New York with Mr. Bennett. Then he brought me back to the school to become the director of the makeup program. So I would just structure classes. I gave tours of the uh, makeup class um, and just put together the schedule. So I worked in the salon at night and I worked at the school during the day. And later, a few years later, because I was there for quite some time, I became the instructor of the makeup program. So I stopped working at the salon because I got too busy, but I did work as the director now during the day. And at night, I taught the six-week program. And I did that for some years. 
and it was so cool. You know, I'm, I'm teaching during the weekday. On the weekend, I had clients. I was doing bridal. I, I had a full book. Like, it was so cool. And then all of my students ended up working for me. And I had, like, a, a makeup team. And I would do, like, fashion shows, like, local fashion shows. Or we would go up to New York and do jobs. Like, it was giving. Brittany had her own little agency. For God to bless me that early on in my life, it just... It felt crazy, like, wow, you couldn't tell me nothing. But after being at BCI, Bennett Career Institute, for, I believe I was there from 2010 when I started, because I never really left the school, I would come back and assist Frederick, who was my makeup teacher. Shout out to Frederick, too, because Frederick did not play with me. He was so hard on me. It was days that I wanted to cry I would he would say come to class with a full beat on I would get there he would say all right take it down and do it again <laughs> okay today you're only going to do your makeup with a q-tip and these two compacts make it work it was just all types of crazy stuff but I'm so glad he told me those lessons but anyway so I was at the school from 2010 I left in like early 2014 and by this time, I just felt like I wanted to see what it was like to work for myself. I wanted to bet on myself and see if I can run my brand on my own. So I left. I was a full-time freelancer. I was booking lots of weddings. I still had my makeup team. I was taking clients on the weekend. I, I was just, your girl was booked and busy, and it was like that for some time. You know, I was teaching business classes, doing everything. I'm going to post like a whole throwback Thursday of this so you all can see this. <laughs> if you remember the hashtag Brit Brat Beatdown era, like if you've been around since then, you've seen all of those crazy, cringy moments where you couldn't tell me anything. Like I felt like I was the best of the best of the best of the best. And after some years doing that, I just felt like I hit a glass ceiling. Like this isn't it. I want to do more. There, what about like the artists like Pat McGrath and Sam Fine? Like they're on TV and magazines. And I felt like while I'm grateful for what I have now, this can't be it. I didn't want to take clients anymore. I didn't want to do any of that. Like I just felt lost and totally burnt out. So instead of consulting with artists who were in my field or were doing what I aspired to be, because back then, it was very hard to connect with artists. Um, Instagram was fairly new, so how you see all these artists today and you would sign up in their DMs, that was not a thing back then. Like, you had to go through a magazine, look for the editorial credit, Google them, hopefully you find their website, and then send them an email or find their agent. It was hard. So I consulted with people who were... They didn't understand my goals and my dream and my vision. So they told me, like, baby, it's time to hang it up. It's time to hang it up. You did it. You came. You conquered. Like, makeup isn't a sustainable career. You need to quit. And that's what I did. I stopped doing makeup for about two years, and I had a job at a healthcare center. And it was so crazy because, I mean, yeah, I was making good, consistent money, but I still kind of made more money outside of this job doing makeup because I still had clients on the weekends. I was still like teaching little classes here and there, but I was just so convinced that you guys are right. I didn't have the material things that 
most people would say if you have it, you know, you made it. Like you, you're balling out. So I felt like you guys are right. I need to give up. And there is a word in that because that goes to show that when God gives you a vision or tells you who you're going to be, it is just for you. Nobody else can see it. Nobody else knows about it. And you have to trust that what he gave you, you, if he showed it to you, you can make it happen. You just have to work hard and trust and believe. Don't go telling your vision to everybody else looking for validation. It ain't for them. And it's not for them to understand. So that's that on that. But I wish I would have known that. If I can go back and tell young Brittany that, it would have been like, girl, just pack your bags, go to New York, do this, do that, instead of quitting. But I really feel like I needed that lesson too. So I stayed at that job for about, I think I was there for like two, three years. And I remember one day somebody asked me, so what do you do? And my response was, oh, I am a customer service rep at da 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 And I remember just stopping dead in my tracks like, girl, that is not who you are. You are Brittany Rogers. You are a freelance makeup artist. You are not this girl. And I'm not knocking anybody with a nine to five because... Sometimes you need a nine to five to get that consistent coin to make your career work. But at the time, it just wasn't for me and I was getting lost in it. So I quit and I quit with like six hundred dollars. The dumbest thing I could have done because my car note at the time was three hundred dollars. I didn't know what I was going to do, but I told myself like I had to make it work. So I had a little credit card and I'll be honest with y'all. I ran that thing on up like I. I ran it up because I was determined to rebuild my career. Like I had to get back to what I know. I had to get back to what I knew, but this time on a better level. So I stopped focusing on what wasn't for me. I didn't take a lot of clients. Um, Yeah, I was struggling. I was definitely eating ramen noodles and stuff. Um, And then that's when I met the amazing Crystal Wright. You guys hear me talk about her all the time. Hopefully, Miss Wright will be a guest on the podcast soon. But I started working with her, and she helped me rebuild my career and introduced me to a lot of things that I just didn't know were possible. So from there, it's like, okay, yeah, I'm going to be in beauty. I'm going to do TV and film. Like, this is going to be a thing. And everything just took off. It was it was crazy. I started assistant for streeters, and that was even a crazy story. Uh, Miss Wright had me writing all of these artists looking to assist because I had never really assisted before. Like I didn't know what it meant to be an assistant to a big artist. So I remember writing streeters, requesting to work for this particular artist, like on a Tuesday, and I had a meeting with Miss Wright on Wednesday. We were on our call. We got off the call. I got an email saying, hey, could you come assist tomorrow for Harper's Bazaar? I think it was like Harper's Bazaar or Tory Burch. I'm not sure which one it was. I was like, oh, yeah, I, I could do this. Deep down, I was so scared. I was so broke. But I ended up just calling my friend and saying, hey, can I stay with you? And I slept in his salon, y'all, because his salon was closer to the station because I had to be the work at like six in the morning. So I packed my stuff. I didn't have money. I ran all of the tolls. I ended up having to pay back like $600 in tickets. 
slept in the salon, got up, went to the job, and he ended up hiring me to be his full-time assistant. And he gave me a $100 tip. So that is how I got back home. Crazy story, but so many great things came from it. I would not, I'm not going to say that. I was going to say I would not suggest that. But sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. And that was one of those things where I had to seize the moment. And for the next couple months, like I would come home and they would call me and say, hey, could you come to New York? Disclaimer, they thought I lived in New York. I told them that I lived in East Orange, New Jersey. I used my friend's address and everything, and I did not. I lived in Maryland. I would come home, do little quick jobs here, and then drive all the way back to New York like the night of to do my job and come back the next day and nobody ever knew it's like that tiktok no one's gonna know (laughs) because nobody knew what i was doing around that time too i was getting a lot of requests to start teaching again and all of that and i just didn't want to because i wanted to focus on me and during that time i felt like the industry was changing so much it went from like the all black super professional You know, we're still walking to agencies, holding our portfolio, our printed portfolio, trying to get a job to now everything is Instagram and we want to be influencers and show that we're this big time artist. And that was a hard transition for me because at the time I'm like, okay, well, do I focus on just doing what I know is right and just assisting and all of this or do I try to label myself as an expert right now and do all this social media influencer stuff. And I decided to just focus on what I knew. And I feel like that got me way further than taking the Instagram route because my jobs don't come from Instagram. I cannot post for a month. And I say this humbly and respectfully, I will be fine. I don't know if you guys remember, but in season one, I lost my Instagram page for about a week. And I was still working because it's not about... Instagram, like, yes, social media is one half of your business. I mean, it's a great way to be noticed, but you want to make sure that you're focused on the work that will sustain you in the event that your social media went down. But we'll talk about that in a whole nother episode. There is a lot to my career, but I gave you guys like the cliff notes and maybe I'll break this down into smaller stories because there was just so many ups and downs and ins and outs and turnarounds through my career that this would really take all day long. But like one time my family was like, girl, you need to give this up because I almost got sued because somebody accused me of stealing their name, but they realized that I didn't. Luckily, you know, I had all the the documents that I needed to cover everything. But there like a million crazy stories. Maybe next episode I'll do a story time on like one of the craziest things I ever experienced. But yeah, my family was so scared. And over the years, they were like, girl, (laughs) let it go. Um, are you, how do you have health insurance? You always get the question like, do you have health insurance? Do you have retirement? And guess what? I have retirement plan. I have health insurance. I have all of that. It's just about being smart and really looking at your business as a real business instead of a side hustle and understanding, like I said, that everybody's not going to see your vision and you can't be worried about your family not supporting you. Sometimes it's not that they don't support you. It's just that they're scared when you're a generational curse breaker and you're stepping outside of what the normal 
lines of work is for your family, it can look like all hell is breaking loose to them. Like you're just out here wilding. And my dad pointed out something to me recently. When he met my mom, he was a barber and my mom was a nail tech. But the crazy thing is they never really bought me into their work. So I never noticed that they were in the beauty industry, but my mom ended up quitting for more stability to take care of us. My dad, my dad still owned his barbershop for quite some years. So I think my family was just afraid. They weren't sure if I could sustain and manage over all of these years, but I have. And now they're like, yes, girl, look at her. That's our baby. She's out here doing it on movies. and So block out the naysayers, block out the noise and just keep hustling, doing what you got to do. And I promise that it will work because if I can make it work, you can make work. I was out here young, dumb, and foolish. So that is my TED Talk for today. I hope you enjoyed this because like I said, this episode was quite cringy for me (laughs) because I really don't like talking about myself. And I was just like, there is so much. Where do I start? But hopefully you found some inspiration, some laughs, and a good kiki in this story. So... Also, if you guys didn't notice, I skipped last looks because I feel like there were so many lessons throughout this. I'm not even going to bore you and drag you with last looks. I'm going to go ahead and take my embarrassed self on somewhere. (laughs) And until next time, I love you guys. Thank you for listening. As always, I love, love, love how you guys slide in my DMs and we have the best talks Also, if you are enjoying the podcast, please be sure to leave us a review. Leave us a review in the comment section. I was going to say below like you guys can see me, but you can't see me. So leave me a review, please, on Apple or Spotify. And until next time, 